Seismic shifts have hit our society, leaving people unmoored from truth. In the midst of the confusion in our culture, followers of Jesus are called to be unshaken and unashamed. This focus will help equip us to become convictional, courageous, and compassionate. Like all worldviews, Christianity influences our ideas, beliefs, convictions, and habits. Grounded in truth and lived out in God's grace, our faith will transform our own lives and ultimately help transform a broken world. Christianity is not merely a comforting story with some nice moral teachings taken to be true on blind faith. The Christian worldview is true based on evidence. God has acted within history to demonstrate that He alone is the true God who is worthy of following. Because of this, all Christians are called to be able to give a defense for their beliefs, done in such a way that is Christ-like in being respectful and compassionate. Welcome to On Mission, the preaching ministry of Edgewood Baptist Church in Rock Island. When we gather together, we meet on 38th Street. And when we're scattered, we strive to live on mission all over the Quad Cities area. We're continuing in our Unshaken and Unashamed series in a message called Being Salt and Light. Our preacher today is Pastor Kyle Parks, the discipleship pastor at Edgewood. Listen now to part one of this message. Well, good morning, Edgewood. It's a joy to be with you here this morning. In that video, Emma J showed us how to effectively engage society, but we must spend time alone with God, perhaps out in his creation, and most certainly in prayer and in his word. This is what Jesus would often do. He would withdraw to desolate places and pray, sometimes staying up all night long. He would be rejuvenated by being alone with his father and ready to minister to the crowds. We can see this clearly in Luke 6.12. He went out and spent time alone with his father right before he gave the most famous sermon that we know of, the Sermon on the Mount. This is part of our text today from Matthew 5, uh, 13 through 16, but I want to share with you Matthew 5, uh, 1 through 16. It says this, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. After he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are... Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. From the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before me. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how then can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything, but should be cast out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now that teaching from Jesus was very radical at the time. But I would say not only then, but now. But it is life-giving teaching. So we want to start with a few introductory points. The first one is this, the importance of Scripture memory. 
Jesus knew Scripture. He was able to use it to defeat temptation against Satan. We're told all over Scripture to memorize it, to hide it in our hearts. Psalm 119, 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness to your, in your hearts to God. So we need to know God's word in order to effectively engage society. Number two, blessing in the kingdom of God is defined differently. We see that here, right, in the Beatitudes. When we think of blessing here, especially in this country, we think of health, wealth, and prosperity. And surely God does bless people in those ways at times, but that is not promised in Scripture. We see in Scripture people who are blessed like Abraham in the Old Testament. He was called blessed then to go and be a blessing, but he was basically a nomad. He had to go to a country that he did not know, leave everything that he once knew, and to go to a land that God would show him. But God called him blessed. Think of Mary in the New Testament, the mother of Jesus. At one time, she was going to be accused of adultery against Joseph. Think of what she saw Jesus on the cross being beaten and whipped and seeing her own son die, but she was called blessed. So when we think of blessing in Scripture, we need to think of it not in our sense here today, but in the biblical sense. The fact that Jesus is with us, we have a relationship with him, no matter what our circumstances, no matter what is going on in our life. Number three, Christians are called to be salt and light. And we can live this out as if it is actually true. Because in Scripture, we see who God is. We see the meta narrative of Scripture. We see creation, fall, redemption, restoration. We have the storyline of history, and we know that through God's word. We also know what truth is. That's not just an idea or concept, but it is a person in Jesus. We have identity in Scripture, so we know who we are, made in the image of God. And if you are saved today, then you are also, on top of that, a child of God. From Scripture, we have meaning and purpose, and we know our future destiny with him or apart from him. So our main idea for today is this. If the Christian worldview is true, then it must be lived out in order to help create a more flourishing society. And today we're going to make a case for how this is possible. But I want to open up in prayer. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. Lord, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you for the freedom that we have here today, Lord, to to speak truth and to be in your word and to gather And Lord, this is not the case in many places around the Lord. We pray that you'd be with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who, Lord, long for your word and they long for this teaching, God. But I pray that you'd sustain sustain them and bless them in the biblical sense, God, with your presence and a relationship with them. Lord, again, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the peace of Israel. We pray uh, that peace would come to, to Gaza and Ukraine and different places in the Europe and Middle East. And God, it's so hard, it's so tragic to see these things unfolding. But God, we believe ultimately that you are in control. And we trust you, God. Lord, I pray that as a result of everything happening right now in the world, that many would come to saving faith. And that would, they would believe that you are the only way and the truth and the life. You're the only one that can be, bring true peace. Lord, I pray that you'd give me the words today. I pray that you would help us to have receptive hearts and ears 
uh, from this message. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. So going to the text today, in verse 13 of Matthew 5, it says, you are the salt of the earth. So what is the significance of salt here? Well, salt gives flavor. It's a preservative. It prevents from corruption. In scripture, it's seen as an image of wisdom. Some commentators think that when it loses its taste, it could mean it becomes foolish. And being foolish or being called fool in the Bible is not a good thing. You don't want to lose your flavor if you are the salt of the earth. But it also says this, salt reserves or serves mainly to give flavor and to prevent corruption. Disciples, if they are true to their calling, make the earth a purer and more palatable place. But they can do so only as long as they preserve their distinct character. Unsalty salt has no more value. Colossians 4, 5, and 6, Paul reminds us of this. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. In our conversations with people, we need to ask for wisdom from God and so that we can have words that are seasoned with salt. So as messed up as the world is today, the church, I believe, has done its job in keeping the world from a worse state of corruption. If you think about the state of the world today and how bad it is, what would it be like if the Christian faith had never spread to the ends of the earth? Think of all the things that Christianity has done for the world. We're going to talk about that more at the end. But let that stick in your mind. We'll come back to that. Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. What is the significance of light here? Well, first of all, light, what is it? In a scientific sense, light is electromagnetic radiation that can be perceived by the human eye. But when God said, let there be light, light came pouring out of the mouth of God at 186,000 miles a second. Light is a force of nature. But light in the symbolic sense, also think of it in that way. It can be small. A single flame can still, up a, still light up a dark room. So even if you, as a believer, are the only Christian in your, your family, your school, your workplace, you can still make a difference there. Light, like salt, affects its environment by being distinctive. The disciple who is visibly different from other men will have an effect on them. That's what we want to do. And scripture is full of references to light. I want to show some of these. Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 130, the folding of your word gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. In John 1, let's go to verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Then John 8, look at what Jesus calls himself. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, since Jesus is the light, then we as followers are meant to shine as lights in the world. Paul quoting Isaiah in Acts thirteen forty seven says this, for the So the Lord commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Ephesians 5.8, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. In Philippians 2.14 and 15, do all things without grumbling and disputing 
that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. This is our job, to shine as lights in the world. And back to the text in Matthew 5.16, in the same way let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So the aim of this person's good works is not to parade his own virtue, but to direct attention to the God who inspired them. This is what people often do when they're praised. Oh, we'll praise God, you know, pointing back to him. You think of athletes or people giving speeches sometimes if they're believers. They like to give that praise to him and point upward when they get a touchdown or uh, hit a home run, that kind of thing. It's trying to get the, 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 the eyes off them and back onto God for giving them those abilities and those types of things. And that's what we should do when people praise us and say good things about us. We'll praise God that he is using me. I have some friends who started a missions organization called 516 Now several years ago, and this organization exists to build holy, prosperous, and sustainable communities, mostly in the Central America area. But what they do, they don't just partner with churches. They do that first, but then they partner with schools and the administrators there, and they partner with the local government and people who are in charge of these different towns and villages. They partner with doctors and hospitals. They seek a holistic approach to ministry, and then they seek to change the entire community through giving glory to God through these different acts of kindness and serving those communities. And they're seeing whole communities transformed because of that verse. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So if the Christian worldview is true, then it must be lived out to help create a more flourishing society. But this must start on the individual level with each of us and then spread outward from there and have an effect in our church and then our churches and our community and then the church at large. So how we're going to do this today and look at this is look at these three words, up, in, and out. Up, in, and out. So living out our faith begins with the correct understanding of who God is and then who we are. So first up, our relationship with God up. It starts here from the top down. We need a steady diet of time alone with God, reading, studying, memorizing scripture, plus praying and practicing the spiritual disciplines. This is how we grow. Perhaps you plateaued in your faith or you're going backwards. You just need to get back in God's word. You need to pray. You need to fellowship with other believers. You need to worship and glorify him. Maybe you haven't had the desire and you don't know how to do that apart from coming to church, but we need to do this on our own. Maybe we need to ask God for that desire. Listen to these verses from these psalmists, Psalm 42, 1 and 2. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you for the living God. Psalm 63, O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. When was the last time we felt like that when it came to our relationship with God? Psalm 96.9, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. He is good and righteous and perfect. We need to worship him as such. Romans 12.1, this is where our series started with worldview. We're going to spend some time in Romans 12 today as well, but it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of, of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your, what, spiritual worship. By presenting ourselves to God, that is an act of worship. 
but relationship with God is key. We must hide his word in our hearts so we not sin against him. And we must walk by the Spirit so we'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. If we would just do those things, if we'd hide his word in our heart, we'd walk by the Spirit, we would not be giving in to sin and our relationship with God would be that much better. So up, we must make sure our relationship with God is where it should be. And then in, we're going to look at two things when we look in. Our relationship to ourselves, then our relationship to our brothers and sisters in Christ here today. First off, ourselves. Today we live in the midst of hustle culture with the mantra of many saying rise and grind. It's all about being busy and doing all kinds of things. We wear our busyness like a badge of honor in our society here today. But I was talking to my mom the other day. She was asking us how we were doing. And I said these words. I said, life has never been busier, but at the same time, life has never been better. And I kind of thought that was an odd way to say that. I didn't quite know what I was saying as I said it. But that was back in August when we were very busy. We had a lot going on. But part of that, I think, was true because we don't want to be busy just for the sake of being busy, but to be productive, to bear fruit. That's what we want to be doing ultimately. We were made by God to be producers, not consumers. Yet in America, that's all we do. We must fight against that. Because being a consumer merely lends itself to selfishness and individualism, which is ruining people and it's making people more isolated. It's ruining families entirely. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We don't want to just do what everyone else is doing. Not just being busy for the sake of being busy. If we're going to be busy, let's make sure we're producing fruit. We're being productive. That is how God made us. But we live in the age of distraction. And we're constantly given all kinds of messages, distractions and addictions, so many messages and information. What do we do with it all? We don't know how to filter it all, and we become overwhelmed. One of the things I came across recently, and I'd love to show this with you today, is this Wisdom Pyramid by Brett McCracken. It's in a book, and also he's given some talks on this. But I think this is really helpful for us to see because of all the messages, all the, the, the so-called wisdom and knowledge out there today. How do you take things in and know what's good for you and what's not good for you? How do you filter things in and out? Well, if we think of this wisdom pyramid, like the food pyramid, there's obviously some things that are better than others for us, right? So we need a healthy diet of these, these things. And so if you look at the base of this triangle, we have God's word, and that's where we need to get the bulk of our wisdom and knowledge. We can trust that everything in it is good and right and true. On top of that is the church. We need to fellowship with other believers. But we're not here every single day, Right? But we should be in God's word every single day. We may not be, but that's where we should be. And then on top of that, nature, creation. How, much of, how many of us actually spend time out in God's creation? His general revelation. So not only do we have that, we have God's word, a special revelation, but he's given us the general revelation so that people can know that there is a creator God. We need to spend time with him, just like in the video we saw earlier, and be alone with him like Jesus would with his father. On top of that, we have books. There's really good resources out there. And uh, culture, beauty, art, culture, music, those types of things. We want a good, steady diet of that. But of course, with some of those things, you have to filter through. Some of that's good, some of that's bad. And then on the very top, we got internet and social media. 
Now, you can find some good things there, but for the most part, there's a lot of junk. We all know this to be true. Now, here's the thing about this wisdom pyramid. Hopefully, it's helpful for you, but I think a lot of us here today, but probably much of the world, has this completely flipped around. Spend most of our time on the internet and social media getting our wisdom and knowledge and information. We probably spend a few minutes, if, if daily, in God's word. But we could scroll for five hours on the internet social media and the time just flies by and we don't even recognize that. But keep that in mind as you think about wisdom and knowledge in the world and God's word, where we get all of that. Here, Another helpful way this might be beneficial for you is to think of things in terms of this, these three categories, receive, reject, redeem. Receive, reject, redeem. So we have things like God's word and the church and things like worship music. Obviously, there is wisdom there and, and filtering some of those things. Not all churches are preaching the truth. Not all worship songs that come on the radio are the best, possibly. <laughs> uh, so we need to think through that as well. But then there are things in the reject category that ultimately we know are wrong and we should completely reject them. Specific sins named in the Bible, things that are ruining people's lives and families on the internet, like pornography. Think of things like mind-altering drugs that people are addicted to and it's ruining people's lives, things that we can easily put in the reject category. And then there's that redeem category. Things like art and culture, music and movies and sports and internet and social media. There's some good, there's some bad, but those things can be used for good if we know how to use them. There's some things uh, that could hurt us and they could mess up our relationship with God. So we just need to be wise about those things. So think of those things in those categories. Maybe the wisdom period, maybe the receive, reject, redeem categories. Now, speaking of social media, the internet, think of smartphones. We all need to, at one time or another, think through how we're using that and are we doing a good job of that. But I also want to talk to, to parents in here about phones and for your kids. Here's one thing I would say to you to encourage you with. Do not give your kids unfettered access to phones today. There has to be some kind of limitations on there and time and, and some of the things, the restrictions that you need to put on there. There is so much junk. They will find it. And if they don't find it, it will find them. Pops up, pop-ups and ads and all of that. When we think we need to constantly be entertaining our kids, giving them stuff to do, and I get that. I have four kids, you know? But I think it's also okay for our kids to be bored at times. That helps them to be creative. Recently, as our kids have been saying, I'm bored, I want something to do. Well, I'm going to start giving them chores to do. Maybe you should (laughs) do that. But it's so sad in this day and age, our attention spans, not just kids, but the average human today, our attention spans, they say, is now eight seconds because of all the mindless scrolling. Think of the videos on TikTok and Facebook that you can go through, and you might scroll past 10 before you finally find one that you want to look at and might entertain you for a few seconds. That's pretty bad when they say the attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. But studies are showing today highly negative effects in general when it comes to your kids and phones, especially uh, kids and preteens. So we need to be very careful how we use that and for our family's health. But also our own health, our mental, physical, and spiritual health. We must take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. Not only our own families, but so that we can serve others. And some of us aren't doing this very well. We need to take care of ourselves so we can take care of others. Now, we don't want to go like where the culture is going when it's just completely the self-care society or the fitness culture and those things become gods and idols. We see a lot of people doing that today. But it is important to exercise and rest and eat right so that we can take care of ourselves and other people and the 
people were around and serving. But be careful not to allow those things like body image to become an idol as well. When it comes to idols, John Tyson says it this way, disordered loves lead to disordered lives. Disordered loves lead to disordered lives. Thanks for joining us for On Mission. If you'd like to listen to this message again, you can now download episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify by going to edgewoodbaptist.net. We'd love to have you as a guest at one of our three weekend services, Saturday at 5 or Sunday at 9 or 1045. My name is Matt Williams, and I'm a member of Edgewood. Ethan Curry, also an Edgewood member, is serving as the producer of this program. We look forward to connecting with you again next weekend as we learn more about how to live on mission. Until then, go deep in God's Word and keep applying it to your world. On Mission is furnished by Edgewood Baptist in Rock Island, Illinois.